0: Welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show today is an educator, an author, and a national trainer. Please help me welcome James Bryson to Self Made. James, glad to have you on the show, man.
1: Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for allowing me to come.
0: Oh, man, it's, <clears throat> listen, it's my, the pleasure is all mine. You got a, a significant story to tell, so we're going to do uh, two parts with you. Uh, and 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 go back to back. But I wanna start off by really understanding your roots, where you come from, and what your childhood was like.
1: Well, I was born and raised here in uh, Peoria. uh, Raised by a single mother. Uh, I lived in uh, uh, projects, two projects. uh, One on the south end, known as the Warner Homes. Uh, Got kicked out of that one, and moved up north to the other one called Taff Homes. So, uh, lived in the projects all those times, uh, attended Woodruff High School, uh, finally graduated. Took me five years to get out. I was never, never Never liked school. school. Never liked school. Uh, So, finally got out. I loved to play basketball. Uh Never made it on the basketball team at at, at the high school, but I was blessed to get a. uh, and a scholarship to play basketball at Spoon River College, which is a, uh, it's, a it's a community college, a junior college. Okay. Uh, most of my friends are either locked up or they're dead or they're strung out. So I yeah. was one of the few that was able to, to escape uh, that cycle of poverty and go on to uh, attend a, uh, a community college that my basketball coach, is how God works, basketball coach who never allowed me to play at high school, uh-huh. was the one that got me the, the scholarship. <laughs> really? Yeah, full ride and everything. But I wasn't acclimated to, uh, to, to college, so I made a lot of silly mistakes and things, but... Uh,
0: but before, before we do that, <clears throat> why did your coach not allow you to play in high school?
1: Well, because uh, Peoria is a mecca for uh, basketball players, uh, football players, Uh, and I was short and I was fat. Uh, They had a lot of talented players. Uh, I wasn't one of them. However, uh, as I matured, I grew about three or four inches my senior year Uh and played uh, intramural basketball didn't have three points in, but if they would I've been averaging forty points a game. So I was a killer. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So so I had uh it was me and and two of my cousins. Uh we would travel around uh, the Y M C A uh-huh. and and around the city. So we we were able to get a a, a good reputation as players. So that door opened, uh yeah. it just wasn't for me, but both of my cousins also attended uh, the community college, so Okay. So,
0: so you grew up in the uh, projects, two two different projects. Uh, what particular challenges or obstacles you had to overcome growing up?
1: Well, I'll tell you, when I was when I was uh, in the projects, it was just the start of uh, the gangs coming from Chicago. So we had a lot of uh, guys here who were joining, uh, I would say, Chicago, but Peoria based gangs. So. Uh-huh gangs was 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 an issue uh just an introduction into wasn't a lot of shooting, but there was shooting uh wasn't crack had not come in yet mm-hmm. uh heroin was here so those those kind of trappings you know understanding who you who you hang out with who you don't hang out with uh those were all all challenges yeah uh, also during that time uh we were having the, uh, the uh, riots that were going on, civil rights, uh, TAF homes. The uh, National Guard came to the TAF homes shooting tracers through the projects, going through whole buildings and things. So mm-hmm. it was a real time of uh, racial tension. Uh, I was one of the first groups to attend Woodruff High School, which, which was predominantly white school. Uh, we had to have uh, <coughs> police, escorted us into the into the classrooms and Within the school it was not a good learning environment. You had predominantly like now uh, white teachers, but at mm-hmm. that time they were they were white male teachers who didn't have any inclination on how to deal with african-american males, so uh, Wasn't a real good climate, but we were able to get through it one of the things at that point in time was uh, understanding uh, the opportunity to get education. Uh, I didn't fully understand it at that time, but I went. Uh took me five years, but I got through.
0: Yeah. Well, you, hey, that's <clears throat> all that counted. You went on to uh, get your bachelor's and master's degree uh, following that, so how did you, or why did you, you feel you struggled in high school, but then you went on to excel academically and able to complete your degree?
1: Well, I wouldn't say excel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you
0: persevered. Yes,
1: that's a a better word. That's a better word. Because I didn't have, I wasn't uh, socially and academically uh, prepared to go to college. I didn't even think about going to college. Uh, But I knew back in my mind uh, that if I didn't, I probably would have been a statistic like so many of my peers. Uh, So uh, I struggled through Anything that didn't have math, that uh-huh. was my major. <laughs> so so I, <clears throat> I took a lot of classes like basketball and badminton and, and bowling, uh, those kind of things. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, so that, that, that kind of hindered me. Uh, but uh, eventually I said, you know, uh, I had some mentors who uh, really helped save my life. Uh, they're, they're still alive. Uh, Fred McAfee and Jim Watkins one for them. I I know I'd be dead But uh, I said you know what I kind of think I kind of want to be like them. Let me go into of all things uh, social justice Hmm. uh, Sociology, so that's 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 where I lean toward
0: You you mentioned that uh, a lot of people you grew up with friends or or whatever are either dead or in jail Are there any particular
1: or strung out or strung
0: out out? Mm -hmm. are there any particular tragedies that have kind of uh, that stand out to you, or that are that's really memorable to you from your childhood?
1: Well, there's a there's there's a number of them. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I would look out. I've seen people with their uh, throats slit, uh, watch them bleed to death. I've uh, seen right in front of my house I and mean, people getting shot, shot at. I used to carry a pistol at one time, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but <clears throat> there were a number of them. Uh, Friends you know, getting getting shot, hearing gunshots, and and finding out that that gunshot or that's where one, someone that I knew, uh, that, that that got killed. So I suffer from post traumatic stress.
0: I was thinking that when you were describing everything, I was yeah. going to ask you that question.
1: But didn't know. I just I just yeah. recently realized that I had post traumatic stress. So living in an environment, whereas you know your gunshots unfortunately become normal. Right. Uh, certain behaviors become normal. But one good thing, and I will say that uh, when I was in public housing, you had to cut your own grass. Uh, there were certain people's yards you better not go in Miss Johnson's yard because Miss Johnson would tear you up and you respected her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't look the way that uh, most public housing look looks now. There were there were yards, there were flowers, there were some uh, elderly people, and there was uh, more of a community in 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 most of the areas. But there were other areas, you know, you gotta be careful where you where you go and right. who you hang out with. Right. <clears throat> so
0: talk to me about you know college. Uh, what was that like, and how did you w- once you left college? You know, how did you begin your your early career?
1: Well. Uh, Thank God, uh, in, at, uh, we were walk-ons at the, at the uh, community college, so uh, we, did, we did well. And fortunately, uh, Eureka College uh, found an interest uh, in, in myself and my other cousins, so we were able to continue our education uh, to, to Eureka College. And so, played for two years at, at Eureka, uh, at that time, once again, the uh, racial tension, I and mean, we were fighting for uh, having a, a, a black cultural center. My afro was this big and everything. Yeah. Uh, there was still a lot of segregation going on. Uh, still, well, blacks here, whites here. Right. Uh, it was challenging. It was very challenging uh, to get through because you could feel uh, the racial tension. Uh, it was only probably about a dozen African-Americans that went, there were a number of African-Americans that came from Chicago, however, they didn't, they didn't stay long, the, uh, the uh, environment just wasn't conducive uh, for them so a lot of them dropped out. Matter of fact, uh, there were a number of students who ended up missing uh, mm-hmm. in that Eureka environment. So I finally got out of Eureka, I had, I, had, I think at that time, two kids. So I was struggling with being a new father, going to school, uh, trying to get myself together so I can say, you know what, how am I going to take care of these, these kids? Let me get through this first. Yeah. So uh, I made it, made it through. I think it took me three years, maybe four years, to complete uh, Eureka. Uh, I was able to, uh, I continued to major in, in criminal justice. So I was able to get an an internship uh, to the uh, uh, county, to the Peoria over here at the uh, juvenile probation. Mm -hmm. So after my internship, I was hired as a juvenile probation officer. So I worked there for probably about five years and got to know, I mean, Names will follow you. Names will bless you or curse you. Right. And a lot of names and things that are involved with crime. I've I've worked with a lot of those those families and things. So uh, that was quite an experience getting uh, involved with the court systems, getting involved with <clears throat> youth, uh, getting involved with uh, I would call it at uh, that department. Who was it called? Uh, DOC, Department yeah. of Corrections. I didn't ever send any of my kids to DOC. I can say that, because once they go to DOC, <clears throat> they pretty well stamped and intu- institutionalized. Yeah. So, uh, from my tenure from uh, juvenile probation, I went into uh, mental health, and uh, I worked for the Fayette companies as a, as a mental health counselor. I worked that probably for about six years. My office was back in the projects of Warner Homes, met a lot of interesting people, a lot of interesting things, uh, and I enjoyed that work. And uh, I after that, I went to workforce development. <clears throat> it was called CETA, I don't know if you're familiar with CETA, which was job training program, uh-huh. Then, then it went to a job, job uh, partnership act, which was for the city, it had four bosses, the city, the state, and the feds. So I had a lot of bosses. But uh, I would train people, uh, individuals, low income. Uh, if you want to go to school, hey, I'll send you. What, what, what do you want to do? Pay for your books, pay for your tuition, pay for your child care, pay for your transportation. But there was something that was going on that was really of interest to me. <clears throat> people would come in and they would beg, Mr. Bryson, please, send me to school, get me a job, uh, do something. Okay, well, come in and see me. Wouldn't show up or I would send you to school, you would last a week, get that check that would pay, you gone. Mm. And so I started seeing that this was a, a pattern. And I said, you know, let me try to find out what this is. And so that stimulated me to, to, to do, go back and get my master's. And my primary focus in my master's was a, Uh, It was called Self-Handicapping Behaviors.
0: Right, and I I read about your philosophy there. But I want to ask you a question before we talk about uh, self-handicapping behaviors. Uh, At one point, you uh, mentioned that you were carrying a gun and you, I guess, were engaging in activities that could have led to you um, being dead or or whatever. Just briefly, tell me kind of, you know, when you were on the wrong track, the type of things you were involved with but then more importantly what occurred in your life that caused you to turn the corner and and, and go in the right direction
1: well i wasn't involved in those <coughs> activities that most were i uh had a, had, a, had a little weapon at on me from time to time to protect myself from those that were involved in those activities gotcha. so <coughs> i wasn't involved in those activities what 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 detoured me from those activities was seeing where, where it led to I mean, you know, seeing my friends getting locked up, seeing my friends getting killed, uh people that I know i mean i that I knew that's not the type of life that I wanted right. <clears throat> so I changed i mean i i, I stayed in my lane, <clears throat> but if you come in my lane too much cause it was only me, yeah, it was only me, me, and my mom, so you know you come in my lane uh I'll try to get out of your lane, but I stayed in my own lane, so Everybody else, you do what you do, you do what you do, yeah. I do what I do. So I didn't really have any real issues uh, uh, in, in in that lifestyle because I got to know a lot of, uh, a lot of people <clears throat> who, uh, we were in the same lanes, or you weren't in that lane. Yeah. But we were friends, <clears throat> right. we were friends, we just had different, different families, different yeah. lifestyles.
0: Did, did people in the community give you a hard time because you were different?
1: No, I never, I never had any any uh, real animosity. You just have to be careful where you go. You know, mm-hmm. you go on this side, and there's the Johnsons or, or the Browns. You know, man, hey, what you doing down here? Hey, uh, I'm gonna go over here to my grandmother because I lived on like on both sides. Uh-huh. I lived on the north end, but my my grandmother and my family lived on the south end. So I walked back and forth. You know, I didn't I didn't have any real issues or, or right. anything, because I had a bunch of uncles. <clears throat> now, that, I guess that probably was, was, was a, a big thing, because when I was growing up, uh, your, your, your community watched out for you. You know, you had a village. Right. That's right. And uh, my uncles, they was kind of nuts. Uh, but they taught me how to be a man, they taught me who to, who to be around, who not to be around. Uh, uh, I had really good role models. Even though my father wasn't really in the picture, his brothers <laughs> yeah. became my fathers, and uh, they really kind of helped me uh, uh, go a uh, certain ways, and because they were familiar with you know, the people in, in, in the community, they, you know, you don't mess with him, you don't mess with him, and, 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 and they called me Little Jimmy, there was three Jimmy, and Little Jimmy, you don't mess with them either, so that was like a blueprint on, uh, on who to hang out with and, and to get through this.
0: So uh, so now I want to jump back to the self-handicapping ca- handicapping b- behaviors. Yes. Uh, talk about what those behaviors are and what you're doing to try to help uh, people within the community overcome that.
1: Well, <clears throat> the, the, the self-handicapping behaviors, you know, those uh, you came in, you said you wanted to be a nurse, you wanted to be a welder. And then that first week, well, you're gone. Or maybe you didn't even show up. So, I'm trying to figure out. So, Ms. Brown, I mean, you, you've been begging me all day long about what you want to do. Now you get an opportunity to do it. You're gone. And then you come and see me next week. I hey, mean, can't help. Nope. Nope. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Of you. Now, I didn't fully understand why you did that. But uh, as I uh, continue to do research on, on it, it was, it was due to your self handicapping behaviors. Self handicapping behavior is an unconscious behavior where people sabotage their, their personal, academic, and career success. But because you feel incompetent, and that's what it stems from, a feeling of incompetence, and perhaps uh, a lot of times people who participate in that have experienced some type of trauma. So <clears throat> those things kind of trap individuals into self-deception and self-sabotaging behaviors which keeps people stuck. And a lot of individuals that participate in that, they're still in the projects or they get locked up. A lot of individuals who were on my caseload uh, participate in that. But uh, it's, it's, it's stimulated from fear of success, it's stimulated from, from fear of failure. But what it does is that it keeps you stuck. In poverty, so it's a behavioral health issue that we we see every day. Right. I mean, you go go to the schools. Uh, attendance rate is so is so low. Uh, students come in unprepared. Right. Uh, so 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 that's how how it impacts uh, homicides, uh, drug addiction, all those kind of things. The mental health components are are the are manifestations of the self-handicapping, self-deceptive, self-sabotaging behaviors.
0: Okay, gotcha, so um, I wanna know from you, uh, you, you're doing programs within the community uh, in terms of job readiness, uh, developing job skills, things of that nature, correct?
1: As well as that, after I I, uh, worked at workforce development for about uh, 17 years, I went to Illinois Central College and so at Illinois Central College uh, uh, is where I continued this, this work. This is where I was able to implement, uh, I, I should have brought my workbook in, but this is one of the, one of the things that I would deal with, uh, empowering African-American males to uh-huh. succeed, because they were the ones at the college who were the most uh, unprepared. Uh, right. So uh, I worked with the program, I worked at Illinois Central College uh, at a program called TRIO, TRIO is a uh, uh, program designed for first-generation and low-income students, which most uh, end up being minority students. So I was a director there and started developing programs that uh, help students get through. So we had counselors, they had support system, uh, community activities, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I became a, uh, a personal counselor, a career counselor and academic counselor uh, with the college. Uh, I started a program called Harvesting Dreams, which was an African American male retention program. Okay. Uh, that program is still going on, I retired from ICC, but it's, but it, but it's, still, it's still going on strong there. So, so I was able to demonstrate through my workbook, uh, once individuals overcome the self handicapping behaviors through cognitive restructuring that individuals who are socially uh, and academically and emotionally unprepared can succeed in college. Uh, individuals, I, ha- I got actors, yep. I got doctors, I got called uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, one of my students getting ready to do his dissertation, I said, I can't wait so I can call you doctor. So I have architects, uh-huh. uh, I have all very, very successful with the Harvest and Dreams program. So uh, I was able to implement my workbook as a college credit uh, program, uh, which was really, I have nurses, I mean, so it's really left a, 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 a great impact upon individuals who people thought that wouldn't be able to succeed uh, excelled.
0: Right. So the work you're doing is is pretty uh, noble work. Uh you know obviously, you know every community need, you know individuals like you who can help uh make the community a better place to live in. Uh but I want to ask you about a particular project that you're working on and we're going to talk more about it in the uh next episode, but it is uh, the Annie uh Malone uh Institute that you founded. So talk to me just briefly uh who is Annie Malone and why did you start that?
1: Well, I found out uh, Annie Malone was is uh, was my great grand aunt. Uh, I did not know about Annie Malone, <clears throat> but I knew that my grandparents were involved in this company called Poro. Uh, I used to go out to their farm uh, when I was when I was young, and I would see these products and things Poro. Uh, I see all these brochures and things, but. I never really knew uh, who Annie Malone was because uh, I never really talked about her. Yeah. Uh, all I knew was that it was uh, uh, Aunt Annie, that's what my grandparents used to call her. But other than that, I, didn't, I had no idea who she was until my grandparents died and left all of these uh, artifacts and pictures and documents and things uh, to my mother. And so uh, actually my daughter and my mother threw away a whole bunch of stuff. So that's how I got familiar with uh, Annie Malone.
0: And what's, what is significant about her?
1: Well, there's, there's many things significant about her. First of all, realizing that she's my great-grand-aunt, mm-hmm. that's, that's significant. Right. But also uh, considered by many uh, uh, the first African-American uh, female millionaire. Uh, she started Poro College, which is a hair care, a five-story building, uh, which employs seventy-five thousand uh, individuals. Uh, she funded uh, two to three African-American students every year to historically black black colleges. Uh, if it wasn't for Annie Malone, there wouldn't be a Madam C.J. Walker, and most people are familiar with Madam C.J. Walker. Who was a poor role student and employee of, of poor college? So, Annie Malone has really, really left a, a great impact uh, upon people. She she gave away thousands of dollars 25, 10,000, 15,000, 25,000 the largest uh, contribution to uh, the y- colored YMCA. Uh, she was a devout Christian. Uh, I have a lot of her prayers and philosophies. Uh, She was one of the first servant leaders. Uh, So I I teach servant leadership uh, with with individuals. Uh, The Annie Malone Center for Development is uh, designed to resurrect Annie Malone's uh, legacy and and memory and to help and to educate people on on who she was. But more importantly, uh, within within the book, uh, I teach individuals what I would call her success principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like yourself, one, you gotta have a vision.
0: Right.
1: Without a vision, people perish. Absolutely. Then you have to have a plan. So that's the second thing that I teach. Annie Malone, <clears throat> really. So,
0: so James, mm-hmm. let me jump in real yes, quick. Sir. I want to pause right here. Yes, sir. uh, So we can wrap this episode and then pick back up on the the next next episode uh, so we can go a little bit deeper into this story. Yes, sir. And I, I appreciate you being here and being patient with us. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made with D Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.